0: Head over to TheInforium.com slash Nebula to sign up now. Hey, what is up everybody? And welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast. The best show on the internet for students, but not a good resource for those looking to get into the competitive gerbil racing scene. Until episode 223.
1: That's true. That's that's not too far from now. Now
0: we have to do it. (laughs) That's when we make our, our big pivot. Yeah. Actually, episode 222 is going to be a bit of a departure from our normal format. So I suppose that could actually be a jumping off point. Oh, yeah. Into gerbil racing territory. That is true. We are going to be changing the podcast's name to Turbo Gerbil. Okay. It's pretty good. Turbo. If you say it fast, it'll be like Turbo Gerbil. Tur- Tur- so it kind of turbo. rhymes. It's like a slant rhyme. It is a slant rhyme. It's, it's a, a decent slant, slant rhyme. Yeah, it's a pretty good slant rhyme right there. Um, I do wanna tease this up front, though. So episode 222, which I think is coming out on July 30th of this year, uh, will be an interview slash conversation with uh, not you, actually, I'm very That's sorry. Not, I wasn't invited. You weren't invited. Y'all well, boycott you, the show, I wasn't invited. <laughs> the whole show, including me, hurt mean, me. Including you as I well. I wasn't invited. You wouldn't have come. I wouldn't have come Because this no. was in New York City. No, I didn't wanna. Um, there's another YouTuber who I've been following for quite some time, her name is Sarah Dietschy. And since I was going to be in New York for other reasons, which will probably be teased in further episodes of the podcast, I figured why not reach out to her and, uh, and try to do something. So instead of like a straight up interview, we just had a big long conversation, which we are chopping straight down in the middle and putting one half on her podcast, The Creative Exchange, and one half on this podcast. Ooh, marketing. So, yep. Hashtag marketing. Now you got to listen to both.
1: Yeah. That was, which, that, wait, which so one's that was first? Theory.
0: Hers is first. Okay. I don't know why I decided
1: that, but I just did. It's a good chronological point to make though. Listen to hers True. before 222.
0: Yes. So when you come into episode 222, if you have not listened to her half on her podcast, there's going to be a message saying, you dingus, go listen to the first half. Otherwise you'll have okay. no context, Okay. but it's a great conversation. Uh, especially if anybody out there wants to be an entrepreneur or a YouTuber or a content creator. But I think even beyond that, there's a lot of great career advice. Um, Sarah just struck me as one of those people who's just willing to do whatever it takes to meet her career goals. And I was really impressed. So That's cool. I think it's gonna be a good episode. It's also fitting. People. It is also fitting for this kind of a show. Yeah. Yeah, but we are on episode 219 This week. Yes, indeed. No New York City weird interview marketing shenanigans are happening on this episode. Uh, and this was a topic actually selected by you. I did select this topic. As the title of the episode, which I'm sure everybody listening to this have seen. Oh yeah. Suggests. Why aren't you successful yet, Martin? Because I suck at things, Mm -hmm. Tom. That's it. That that's the whole episode?
1: Episode over Because
0: you suck. And if you didn't, you would be successful. Yeah. That's it. That's obviously <laughs> the only thing to it. So this is this is kind of a broad question. So I'm wondering is. where is where are you going with this? So it's like the angle. The basically where I'm coming from
1: with this question is, is that constant nagging like I work hard, but look at these people who are more successful than me and they're mm. they they do not maybe they're not working as hard. Or maybe it's not fair that they got a head start or they've okay. got better resources or like, I'm constantly overwhelmed. How am I supposed to do this? I know we've all got 24 hours, but I don't seem to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Just why Why are you not successful yet in the sort of feeling bad about yourself comparative way right. that is so common?
0: Okay. That makes sense. I actually wanted to add one idea to my notes here for this. No good. So basically like the whole, you look at I don't know, the 17-year-old on Instagram that has like 3 million followers. Yeah, yeah, you, like,
1: you look at somebody younger than you, it was I'm, just easier to do every year. Yeah, And it's just like, yep.
0: wait, but like, they made me look like an idiot. You know, this kind of happened gradually, but I remember being maybe 19 or 20 and looking at all the famous people and thinking, okay, they're still all older than me for the most part. Maybe we have like Justin Bieber who's younger than me, but for the most part, everyone's 22, 23 or older. And I didn't really think about it. So there was never like this moment where I woke up and I went, oh man, I'm older than all the celebrities now. (laughs) What have I done with my life? Uh, But now that I think about it being 27, I am now older than a lot of people who who are doing very well for themselves, who are very famous. So it can be easy to look at somebody who's 17 and who has, I don't know, 10 million subscribers on YouTube or doing whatever they're doing and ask myself, like, what went wrong in my life? Why am I not there? Yeah, and that, and
1: that feeling, the that something went wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really what I wanna wanna think about here. What are all the factors okay. that may lead to success, and what you can do about it, and what maybe you can't do about it, mm-hmm. and and whether or not something did in fact go wrong.
0: Yeah, and I guess to to make this a little bit more contextualized for people who aren't me it's also the people who maybe got that internship that you were eyeing or the person who got better grades this semester, that kind of thing. I don't think it's, it's limited to people. Oh, it's not, it's not
1: just being a celebrity. No, it's just, you're not as far as you want to be yet, but other people seem like they got that far quicker somehow.
0: Okay. So I don't know about you. I wrote down a few different reasons, uh, most of which I think come back to the individual's behavior. Like what are you doing? What Could you change about your mindset? But I do want to bring something up at first that maybe you had written down as well. And that's your circumstances. That is definitely
1: one of the words that is on this picture I took of my whiteboard.
0: So I kind of want to get into like this weird philosophy that I've been sort of cooking up in my brain for the past few weeks. Uh, I read an article and I don't remember where it was, but it was about this guy who went off the road into a a ditch and flipped his Jeep and his iPhone went out the window. So he was unable to use that to call for help. But he was wearing an Apple Watch. And it was one of the new ones that has the cellular capability. So he was able to use his Apple Watch to call for help. They came, they got him out of his Jeep. And the article had basically said like, it was the mom saying, thank you Apple for making this thing because since his phone had flown out the window, he could have died. We sure this wasn't an ad? For like I Apple guess watches, it could have been an ad for Apple watches. I don't know. That would have worked. What it made me think about is how crazy is it that literally the difference between life and death was that you happened to have something on your wrist that day, and like literally the difference between life and death if you hadn't had that was the, the like few feet separating you from your iPhone. Like it could have it could have hit the window and it could have fallen to where you could have reached it. You could have called for help and you could have saved yourself, or it could have gone out the window, totally random chance, and you would have died. Yeah. So I started thinking about this in terms of what do all these like tools that we have at our disposal actually mean? Because we tend to think of them as just your phone or just your Apple Watch or just your computer or whatever it is. But I've started to think of it as almost like an extension of the human body and of your nervous system in terms of the capabilities that it unlocks for you. Because just like your brain sends signals to your muscles and to your hands and feet and everything to do things, you are able to use communication to send signals to other tools in your environment to get things done. And if you, like, say, have an injury to your spinal cord, you're no longer able to use your legs. That actually massively decreases what you can do on a daily basis. If your, your, your phone goes out the window when you're flipped upside down to the Jeep, that massively reduces your chances of survival. So it's almost like, being plugged into this network of humanity in these communication tools and what they can actually you know, put into motion for you, whether it be calling an Uber to you or uh, tweeting that a revolution is starting in your com- in your country to drum up sympathy or whatever it may be, as time goes on, your access to these tools and the capabilities that they continually get makes you a more capable person. So coming back to the successful thing, You and I, 10 years ago, didn't have nearly the communication tools at our disposal, as many. Uh, We didn't have the the raw computing power in our pockets. We didn't have the societal changes that enable people to become such big celebrities at 17 years old. There are all these macro level changes that happen that essentially make you a more capable human being because you were plugged into this constantly evolving network. So, being older means that you literally had to grow up in, a, in an era where you didn't have as much opportunity. That is, uh,
1: I, you know, that that's definitely true because I could not have grown up wanting to do this. Yeah. Couldn't even have fathomed it. It wasn't a real thing. I also couldn't have said I'm going to be do web development or do whatever it is, all the things that I do now mm-hmm. that didn't mean nearly as much, if anything, yeah, back then.
0: I guess the way I was thinking about it is it, it's like you know how there's people who just like to get rid of their phone or whatever and they just want to go off the grid for a while?
1: Oh yeah, I hate my phone.
0: Like that's fine and I understand the sentiment, but from a certain angle, you could say that that's almost like removing a body part at this point in terms of the capabilities that it removes from you. Now, of course, that's a little bit hyperbolic because you could just go use a payphone if they exist or borrow somebody's phone or go to the library and use the internet there. Obviously, you can still benefit from all of the societal advances that we've enjoyed in other ways, but having your phone in your pocket gives you instant access to those things. And it's the same for many other tools. And it's not all bad. I mean,
1: if I'm lost and I can get a lift now in three seconds and just go home. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? You know, that's a lot better than being lost in a new city.
0: Yeah. I mean, you could have, I don't know, wandered into a bad neighborhood and gotten hurt or, you know, at the, at the least And the the least harmful end of the spectrum, it just takes you way longer to get home because you had to walk. There was no way for you to call a cab. And that took a bunch of time that you probably could have used learning something or working on a project. So it's just kind of crazy how people now have so many more opportunities and tools at their disposal that people even five years ago or 10 years ago did not have and couldn't even imagine having. Yeah. Like, it's just crazy to me. So. That is something to consider when you're asking yourself, like, why are people able to surpass me? And it's not even just a factor of I grew up in an earlier time, because obviously all these tools that people have access to, they don't have equal access to them. Yeah. You know, you could grow up in a poor family versus a rich family. You could grow up in a geographical location where you don't have access to nearly the amount of resources that somebody who grows up in a big city has. So... You can't look at somebody else and assume that the two of you started from the exact same position. There's always environmental factors. There's always luck that comes into it. There's always diverging choices and relationships and chance encounters that all add up to the position that each individual person is in. Yeah. So that's what I had to say about the circumstance.
1: Yeah, so I definitely had it in there too. Um, I've got like... A long time ago, before episode ninety nine, actually, because um, I was I was thinking of like, what are all the things that determine whether I'm going to succeed? You've got obvious things like time, effort. You know, uh, we g- we know those. Work yeah. hard and take time. But then, like, um, so the book learned optimism, which we talked about in episode ninety nine, made me think of mm-hmm. oh, actually, optimism, your your like mindset, yeah. is an important part here. And so then I like I've, to
0: say it as like. Optimism and belief is like the multiplier of your capabilities. Yeah, because if you don't believe what you're doing matters, you're not gonna work very hard at it. It doesn't yeah. It doesn't mean anything. Or you won't take opportunities. Like how many people do you know who just have like this ingrained belief that they shouldn't even try things because they're not the type of person who's cut out for it or, you know, there's probably somebody out out there more talented than me, so why even apply? Well, you're not testing your luck. How do you know if you have any? Exactly. And so the opposite of that was the vibe I got from Sarah when I was talking to her in our episode. She just had this like driving desire to figure out how to get what she wanted. And I think like that that belief is what is what uh, channels whatever capabilities you have and actually helps them to achieve your goals.
1: Yeah. So yeah, on that note, actually in that book, one of the things that they had mentioned were actually the pessimists, in certain certain studies that they did that I don't remember all the details of right now, but the pessimists were actually, they were better at determining how much control they had in the situation. They were more correct, mm. but it was still worse for them.
0: <laughs> you're right, but it doesn't make you happy.
1: Yeah, it, because in other situations, you're gonna take that attitude with you, even if you could have done something then. Yeah. Because uh, the difference in, according to that book written by Dr. Martin Seligman, who pioneered, uh, learned helplessness, research. Mm -hmm. Basically, the difference between an optimist and a pessimist is how you explain stuff that happens. So if I fail a test and I'm an optimist, I might focus on changeable things. Oh, I didn't study enough. Next time I'll study more. Mm. Non-personal things. Maybe this was a really hard class. It's not me. I'm not stupid. And then three specific or temporary things. This particular test was a little unreasonable. But if I'm a pessimist... I will pick the most permanent, the most personal, and the most permeating things I can think of. Mm. I'm stupid, forever. It's a, it's just a trait, and not just at this topic, but at everything. That's why I failed this test because of literally everything, and it's all my fault, and I it's can't just do anything. Who you are you can't you, control it. The way you explain what happens to you makes it bad for you, mm. and um, so you need to be more optimistic if you want to succeed, even if that makes you not realistic saying I'm a realist. I I know that sounds all cool and you're like all rugged libertarian or something, but being a realist does not mean that you will do well or better. It means you're probably actually just masking a little bit of pessimism Mm -hmm. and that's not helpful.
0: And it's not like everyone's a realist or a dreamer. Yeah, This exists on a spectrum. So you just want to make sure that you are somewhat more optimistic than whatever level will cause you to Instantly assume that you're not cut out for an opportunity or that anything bad is your fault because you are dumb.
1: Yeah, and you can be optimistic and still know, yeah, occasionally I'm probably wrong about Mm -hmm. how good a situation is, but 80% of the time I'm actually helping myself. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I've got time, effort, your mindset, and then I did have luck, but which I changed to circumstance because luck sounds like some magical thing. Yeah. But circumstance is basically the same thing, but you can also do something. About it, mm-hmm. so obviously, if you have more luck, you don't need as much time and effort. Some people we will we will see succeed, and they didn't do much for it, Yeah, and that just happens. Not all rich people are smart or capable or tried very hard.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: sometimes they just landed into it. What are you gonna do?
0: And that's like that's unfair. But yeah, it's also okay.
1: Well, it's unfair, but like there's not what are we gonna do about it exactly? It's not yeah. like why should they say, "Hey, I landed into this lucky situation?" So I'm going to cut myself off from everything and break my legs just to yeah. make like, why would you do that? If you had an opportunity, you would take it.
0: You ever read that story about? It was a short story, and I can't remember the name. It's like it was like Her, Hergerson something. I don't know. Um, but it's like a society where everyone has to be equal. So anyone strong has to wear weights all the time. Anyone who has really great eyesight has to wear these glasses that like dim their eyesight somewhat. Ah uh, Yes, this definitely happens in one of the books I've read. It's a short story, and it may have even be, been written by Kurt Vonnegut. I could be wrong about that. We'll have it in the show notes regardless, because it will be very easy to Google later. Um, but that's a great illustration of the fact that y- you don't want to bring down people in great circumstances just to create equality of circumstance. What you should only want is to bring up people who are in lesser circumstances. You want to raise up everyone's standard. We don't don't want want to all be unhappy. Bring people down. Unless like they are actively taking away from other people in their actions, then you maybe want to change that. But you don't want to say, oh, that person has a loving family over there who's going to raise them to be, you know, an intelligent person because they're exposing them to new ideas all the time. Stop doing that because other people don't get that. Like that's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Stop helping the people, you know, with the resources you have.
0: Exactly. So what we should just want to do is raise everybody up to hopefully that standard ideally.
1: Yeah, so these, these bigger bigger circumstantial ones are your, your mindset, which you can, you can um, listen to episode 99, where we talked a lot about how to change your mindset.
0: I did want to ask you um, here, I mean, people can go listen to that episode, but what are some practical ways to start being more optimistic?
1: Well, it really comes down to how you explain a specific event. So next time something bad or good happens to you, how are you going to explain it? Mm. So a pessimist conversely will also explain um, good things as temporary and not related to them. So they'll be like, sure, I aced it, but it was easy. It's, yeah. It wasn't me. So you could just take the next thing that you do and try to explore other reasons beside any pessimistic reasons that mm. might, be a, might be a
0: play here. Might actually be useful to journal it because I feel like for people who are locked into a pessimistic mindset, it may be difficult to force your brain to make these optimistic statements and to actually believe them. So maybe if you wrote down, you sat down and actually wrote out the experience and then try to write down some conclusions. And if you notice yourself writing out pessimistic conclusions, do an alternate take.
1: Yeah, even if you don't believe it. Yeah. Because you're probably not going to believe it. You're gonna be like, this is some stupid self-affirming nonsense. Mm -hmm. It maybe, but it'll help you in the long run. So. But and
0: writing it down actually does contribute to a degree of belief. Yeah. For a darker example of this, you can look into how the Viet Cong treated the POWs in their POW camps back in the Vietnam War. They would have American POWs make slightly anti-American statements. oh uh, yeah. Uh, and you know what? I may be wrong about this being the Viet Cong. It may have been the Chinese communists. Um, but they, they would also have them make slightly positive towards communism statements. And then eventually they would ask them, well, can you put that in writing? And all these little things, they didn't seem like betrayals of their nationality or their patriotism at the time, but they were actually contributing to their core beliefs because they saw themselves making a physical concrete statement on paper. Yeah, and they eventually they'd have to be like,
1: okay, well, I yeah, you know, America's not perfect if I had to pick some problems yep. and that they, they weren't like that at first.
0: Mm-hmm. I think, was that an influence? It was in some book that we discussed on this podcast.
1: Yeah, it was in some book that we discussed, but we've discussed so many. It's true.
0: It may have been it, an influence, um, but obviously we don't want to do things like that, but it is a great illustration no. of the power of actually writing down a statement. And I think you can challenge, or channel that into a more positive area of your life.
1: Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, you can, you can definitely change your mindset over time because that whole book, that whole concept, really, he was exploring what causes depression and why mm. there's so much of it. Yeah. And
0: that was the Learned Helplessness book? Yeah, it was okay. the Learned
1: Helplessness book. And, mm. and there were people, they were able to feel better. They were able to start explaining things in a more helpful way. And this actually leads to the next factor okay. in success, which seems like one you can't do anything about previous success. Mm. Because if you have already succeeded, you've got experience, you've got resources, you've got connections, you've yep. got things that the other people don't have. And that feels not fair. you know. And, and you know, capitalists, whatever, rich people get richer. They do. They're going to. What are you going to do? They have the resources. I don't have the resources. I'm not going to drop 100000 and invest in something crazy. I can't do that right now. Nope. But while we could look at this all negatively... Because only they're, they're the only people that are ever going to get anything because they already won. The, the like flip side to that is that if you can push through the time, the effort, the, the attitude that you need to succeed that first time, then it should keep getting easier for you to do further things successfully as you accumulate resources yeah. and connections and people. So it doesn't mean you should get discouraged. It means you should say, okay, I've only got to work super hard this first few times. And then it's going to get easier. I'll be more likely to succeed.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't mean the work's going to get easier. Yeah. That's something that I told myself early on as a blogger. I kept thinking that as I got more practiced and had more articles under my belt, it would just become like effortless to write great articles. And that's not true. You definitely pick up writing techniques and you know you can string together a sentence more eloquently than you could in the past, but it still takes a lot of mental effort to make something good and that never goes away. So I guess a good way to qualify this is that it's going to be probably easier for you to succeed because of the resources you have, but you're still going to have to put in the same yeah. or maybe even more work.
1: Yeah. All you're doing is making it more likely for you to get a return on your investment yeah. of work. Yeah. If you invest no work, you still won't get a return. That makes sense. But so if you can push through that first barrier, then you can start benefiting from it rather than just being like cynical about the fact that other people who have already succeeded don't have to try very hard yeah. to get their stuff out to a wide audience and automatically become successful from mm-hmm. it. And um, another thing I had for circumstance was uh, a more literal version of that, which is like, if you put yourself in the right situation, the people you surround yourself with. Mm. So if I hang out with a bunch of pessimists and do nothing but eat Doritos and play WoW all day, it could be fun. But if in the back of my head, I'm thinking, how come I'm really not succeeding at, at like uh, becoming a public speaker? It's probably because I'm not near any public speakers. I'm not trying to do anything ar- about it. And if I wanted to get a gig and I was already talented, well, how am I going to meet people that are going to give me a gig? Yeah, You don't get lucky like that if you don't put yourself in a circumstance where you're more likely to.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's all about that little gradual steps outside of your comfort zone concept. Yeah. Because your comfort zone does not hold many opportunities for going outside of it. Yeah. And it's it's like,
1: yes, some of it is, some of it is circumstance and you're not going to be able to guarantee that if I go to every conference this year, something will happen. But if I go to no conferences this year, something will almost certainly not happen that may have happened at one.
0: Yep. Yeah, when I look at my career and whatever success quote unquote that I've had, I tend to look at it as a constant investment of work and skill building, but punctuated by what I like to call little catalysts or turning points. And in general, those catalysts te- or t- tend to happen when I have in-person meetings with people. So for example... You may have noticed that almost every episode of this podcast now has a sponsor, which enables us to pay an editor to do it for us, enables us to have a studio, yeah. uh, same with my YouTube channel. The reason that that is able, or that ha- that happens now is last year at VidCon, I had a chance meeting with a YouTuber who set me up with another chance meeting with a guy who runs a company called Standard, and we've been working together for a year now, which has like made the income of the business much more solid than it was before that. Yeah, I don't know if that would have happened had I not gone to VidCon, had I not tweeted that YouTuber and said, hey, can we meet? It wasn't even for a business meeting. It was just, hey, can we just meet? So I always have it in my mind that I want to build relationships and meet with people who are doing cool things. One, because I want to become friends with them. I think that's my core driving motivation for the most part. It's usually not for business. It's just like, you're cool. I want to be friends with you or know you or hang out.
1: Well, that's better than... Cold that is, networking. It's anyway. true.
0: I don't like the cold handshake. Here's my business card. Please hire me. Look at my tie pattern. That's not. That's not for me. Yeah. But when I become friends or at least acquaintances with people who are doing cool things, there are usually opportunities that come up because of that meeting, either for me or for them. Yeah. And those things wouldn't have happened if I had never gone out and uh, made that meeting happen.
1: Yeah. So you can dismiss it as luck, but mm-hmm. you're ignoring that you don't. Catch a lucky break if you never roll the dice. You have to yeah. put effort into something that may not pay off. Mm-hmm. And for other people, maybe it pays off first. That doesn't mean you got to be feeling bad about it, comparing yourself to them.
0: Yeah, it's like at bats in baseball. You know, most baseball players have a much less than half. You know, batting batting percentage. Same with NBA players. So it's really just a factor of how many times are you at the plate, how many times do you swing yeah. a ball. You know, if you have a .2 batting average, and I don't, I don't watch baseball, so I don't know if that's good or bad. Um, I don't know. You only swing at five balls, you're going only going to hit one. You take fifty swings, you hit ten. Yeah, you know, and uh, those ten add up. Yeah. So is that what you had for circumstances, or is there anything else we want to cover? That's there?
1: the main thing I got for circumstances. Is okay. mostly that like, yes, luck exists. Yes, it's not fair, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't like do stuff. It just means right. that if you're unlucky, you're going to have to work harder. And mm-hmm. like uh, J.K. Rowling was in a terrible position. Yeah. And was super, super broke, failing as a writer. And then when she was at an age far older than a lot of these famous YouTubers, mm-hmm. she catches a lucky break. And Harry Potter is like one of the biggest series in the last 20 years yeah, easily. Yep. So you don't get to have a lucky circumstance without the extra time and effort saying, okay, I'm not lucky. Mm-hmm. That means that one out of every hundred times I'll get the lucky answer. Yeah. So I just need to keep trying longer.
0: Yep. Yeah. And this kind of comes back to something that we joke about a lot and I don't like it. You and I joke about getting old as if it's a bad thing. And we're, we're what, 27? Oh, uh, no, I'm just, you know, I just like to play up the cynicism. It's, it's fun to be cynical. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, 27 years old is like, we're babies. We have so many years if somebody was 60 years old and they were like, I want to become a writer, I would say, good. You've probably got like 20 to 30 years at least to develop your craft. Yeah. And we're 27. So we've got so 60 years. You can get really years. good at
1: something in that time.
0: Absolutely, right? Uh, the way that I view my next 20 years is not some steady decline into being a weaker, more feeble person. I see myself at 47 years old, stronger than I am now, faster than I am now, and smarter than I am now. And if that doesn't happen at least my optimism will make me a better version of myself than pessimism would make me.
1: Yeah, you wouldn't have given
0: up halfway through. Exactly. And so I'm not going to be impatient either. So, and I don't remember if we were done with the circumstances bit here, but um, this seems like a good transition point. One of the more actionable items I had written down here is that you may think that you aren't successful because you're being impatient. Yeah. And it's tough to not be impatient when you see all these younger people having such great success and you see people close to you in your circle of friends having success, getting married or buying their first houses or getting promotions, whatever it may be. And you think like, why haven't I enjoyed that yet? Again, you probably have the next 60 years ahead of you to do this. You have so much time. Yeah. So it's not that you're never going to make it happen.
1: No, I definitely had impatience in there under like, cause- mm-hmm. A lot of the problem with uh, like the whole time and effort thing is that we don't want to take enough time. Yeah. We look at the people that are famous and we say, we don't want to deal with it. Or we look at people who are famous after working hard for a long time, ignore that they worked hard for a long time Mm -hmm. and decide I can do that in two years and I'm mad if I don't. Yep. And that's just, it's natural to compare ourselves to what other people are doing. And Mm -hmm. it's really easy now that we can know what's going on in the lives of way more people. So it's easier to feel bad about it. But like what has contributed to their success? Time, effort? Were they more optimistic than you? Because if you're getting all cynical about this, you're probably not helping yourself. Yeah. And were they lucky? And if so, that's a good thing because if they're lucky, that means that there's no particular reason that you are failing. It wasn't a Mm -hmm. technique. It was just, you need to keep trying until you catch the lucky break. Yep. It means you aren't doing something wrong.
0: Mm -hmm. And maybe the industry you're in requires more time between at-bats. Yeah. You know, I can write a blog post in two days. It takes a good week to make a good quality video. So the area of focus that you choose may actually determine how quickly you could feasibly see success. And I think we got a podcast cat coming in in a few seconds here.
1: Hello, podcast cat. She's
0: sniffing around. Yep. Uh, And one of the people that I always think of when I think about this whole impatience here is Steve Carell, because he didn't really get his break until I think 40 I'm pretty sure in the office, he's over 40 years old. So if you are not yet 40, then you can't really tell yourself, oh, I'm a failure and I'm never gonna succeed because Steve Carell did it far after your age. Yeah. You know, I don't think many people listening to this podcast are over 40. We do have a couple. There's actually one guy who comments on almost every YouTube video. So I'll give him a shout out. But, and he still probably has a lot of potential too. I don't wanna downplay that. Uh, But for the most people watching this podcast right now, they're probably like 15 to 20 years younger than that.
1: Yeah. There's plenty of time to succeed. There's no reason to think that everybody gets successful at like 22 or else they're failures forever. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, that's just not how it works at all.
0: Yep. Yeah. And I, I know a lot of people who have told me like my twenties were my screw up years. And then I spent my thirties fixing everything that I messed up when I was in my twenties Yeah. and then my forties were my successful yeah, years. Yeah. That's
1: the good years. That's when you've got like everything under control.
0: Yeah. This week's episode of our show is brought to you by our friends over at Brilliant who make an amazing tool for anyone who wants to learn math, science, or computer science more effectively. Unlike normal classes where you just sit in a lecture and you passively intake material being talked at you or or being uh, presented to you in a textbook, Brilliant.org throws you actively into problems immediately once you start a course. So you're gonna have an actual reason and a desire to apply all that you're learning. Now one thing that I do want to highlight about Brilliant's learning approach and their approach to teaching you information about these specific topics is that it also makes you better at the act of analysis in general. So one thing I've been reading about recently in a book called Breakthrough Advertising, which was actually written back in the 60s, is that There is no ad that you can look at, if you're like an ad writer, there's no ad that you can look at from the past and copy to be successful. Because every successful ad and every successful anything in the history of the world was successful because it was an application to a specific problem. And your specific problem, whatever it may be in the future, is gonna be different. So what you have to get better at is the act of analysis, actually analyzing the details of the problem and using the tools in your mental toolbox to creatively come up with a solution for it. And this is actually something that you can get better at over time by actively working through challenging problems. So this is why I am a big fan of Brilliant. I love their content in math and in science and in computer science, but I love even more their approach to learning because it makes you more creative and it makes you better at this act of analysis. Now, if you're looking for a sample of the courses you're gonna find, in Brilliant, they've got courses in math ranging from calculus to algebra to math for quantitative trading and finance. They've got science courses from gravitational physics to astronomy. And there are also lots of computer science courses ranging from the basics like algorithms and sorting to more advanced topics like machine learning and neural networks. Also as a compliment to all of your courses, you'll find an extremely detailed wiki, so if you do find yourself stuck on any problems, you'll be able to delve into that to find all the information you need, and there's also a great community with thousands of learners who are constantly challenging each other every single day and helping each other with problems. So if you wanna start learning for free today, then head on over to brilliant.org collegeinfogeek. And if you are one of the first 83 people to go to that link and sign up, you'll also get 20% off of your annual premium subscription. Once again, that is brilliant.org collegeinfogeek, and I wanna give a- A big thanks to Brilliant for being a sponsor of this podcast and in general, a huge supporter of our show. Let's get back into it. It's been kind of interesting developing my business at a young age because I tend to meet people who are older than me. Becoming a YouTuber kind of changed this because YouTube does kind of skew younger and the people who are big on the platform. So now I'm starting to meet people who are 22 and 23 who are big YouTubers. But because I started as a blogger, Most people who made it as professional bloggers tended to be in the professional world in some like full-time job capacity until like their mid-20s at the earliest, then quit and got successful late 20s, early 30s, sometimes early 40s. So when I go to these conferences and make friends, I made a a lot of friends with people who are like 10 years older than me, some who are 20 years older than me, and I get to hear their experiences. And a lot of them tell me like, I wasn't doing what you were doing when I was a... 20-year-old or teenager, I was messing up all, all the time.
1: Yeah. And Maybe yeah. it's something to the, like the instant gratification that we get from all of the technology mm-hmm. that gives us like, I want brand new news. I can see it I immediately. It. Yeah, And now we're just like, I want brand new success. That's going to take five years.
0: I don't, I don't want to wait five years. Yeah. That's a lot of years. I don't know about you, but I have to guard my mind against this. Because, and I think we've talked about this before, your success starts to accelerate as you start to build your brand, as you start to build your business, whatever you're doing. There comes a point where it becomes like an exponential graph, but that cannot sustain itself. You know, there are only so many of the people in the world who are going to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Uh, eventually, it's going to level off. Because someday I'm going to be a pile of bones. So eventually it's going to taper off. I'm going to have less energy. Something's going to happen. But the human brain isn't built to cope with that eventual deceleration of success. It's built to say, well, that came a little faster than the last thing. So the next thing should come even faster, right? Yeah. And you start getting these ideas in your head that you can like write a book and launch a course and go speak at this event and do all these things right now. Because you look back and your your memory kind of compresses all the past successes into one like giant ball. And you don't really remember how long it took to rack those up.
1: Yeah, and that's gonna lead to, you're gonna wanna multitask. You're gonna have mm-hmm. too many projects going on at once. And that dilutes the effort that you can put into something. Yep because you you simply cannot put a lot of focus and effort into a ton of projects at the same time. So all of those projects will now take longer. Yeah. And now you're going to feel bad because they're not finished. Now your attitude's worse. Now you're not going to take advantage of lucky circumstances.
0: Yeah. This is what What I worry about. What are you doing? The more successful you get, the more opportunities there are. And if you take more and more of them, you are just chipping away at the time you have to continue doing the work that got you there.
1: Yeah, it's ironic that eventual, <laughs> eventually success can be the thing that kills your success yep. if you're not careful.
0: It really is, yeah. So I gotta be careful against that. And it's something to think about as you become more successful. Uh, so some other things that I had here. I actually spent about three hours yesterday answering Instagram DMs. And it's getting a little stressful because- Do you answer all of them? I try to. I only okay, get I like don't, three I don't, a week, I so I, I do it. I do answer all of them because some of them are like- weird, amorous messages that I don't want to acknowledge oh. with a reply. And some of them are also just like low effort, like LOL or something stupid. Like, I don't know, maybe I'll reply with a goat emoji. Um But as my follower count is growing, I'm realizing like there's going to come a point where I just can't. You're going to have to say no eventually. Hey, I, li- I answered everybody
1: else and I'm sorry, but... It's too late for that now. <laughs> I it's can't. just,
0: it's frustrating because I, I want to answer DMs, but I also want to create good quality work. And I can't do both as the follower count grows and the DM count grows as well, which is, I think that's part of the reason why we're doing the whole IT, IGTV thing and why we do five questions here. It gives us an avenue to answer the best questions with real thought and conversation, and, you know, in a place where other people can benefit from the answers. Uh, I'm still trying though. So I spent about three hours going through DMs yesterday and I noticed... Two questions from two different people who were saying um, one person was talking about Skillshare and one person was talking about just information in general. And they were saying like, how do you pick the course that you go through? So one guy was saying, I want to learn Photoshop, but there's like 70 great Photoshop courses on Skillshare. And I'm afraid that if I pick one, I'm not picking a better one. And then another guy was just saying like, how do you choose the books you read? I'm afraid that if I, you know, spend a bunch of time on this book, like I'm wasting time that could have been spent on a better book. And the thing is, if you just like sort of scratch the surface of a thousand books, you get no benefit from any of them. If you're
1: just skimming through the top 10 productivity list
0: we're gonna be so successful. Exactly, you don't get anything from it. So regardless of whether the book or the Photoshop course you choose is number one or number five, and it's debatable if you could even rank them in terms of objective quality, it's going to be better that you went into it and focused on it and really got into the details because you're gonna learn way more from that than if you just hoped that you could sort of speed read or speed watch through every single course.
1: Yeah. You well, know? people were successful way before we had this many resources. They didn't have exactly. them. They invented those resources. Yep. That's that's how it works. And this actually lines up really well with one of the other sections on here, Okay, which was uh, more fun to think about, which was things that are probably not why you're not successful yet. Okay. Because I think a big thing is also like setback, misattribution. We mm. blame the wrong things. Yeah. So for example, if you're having problems with something, The single big answer, the big reason that it's not working is probably not a new productivity book, a new gadget, a new Mm. app, a new morning routine, or advice from internet people. (laughs) It's probably none of those things. All of them can help. They all might have useful information. They might be motivational, but they are probably not the single thing that caused you to fail because people succeeded without any of them. I think most people do know the next steps to move forward with what they're trying to do. Yeah. It's just that we we get all impatient. We compare ourselves to other people. We we feel down about it. And then we try to find and regroup and find a really, really specific reason why Mm -hmm. we failed. We're like, well, obviously it's because I forgot about Pomodoro techniques. It's not that I was just playing video games all day, dejected and (laughs) dreading the work. It's that I didn't have a Pomodoro technique. And if I had known about that, I would be rich right now. If I had
0: that wrist bracelet that shocks me when I do the wrong thing, yeah. I'd be doing yeah, it's it. like, OK, OK, I need to change my yet.
1: morning routine. And now I will magically get the brain thoughts that come <laughs> up with my new best book idea. Yep. And that's just they're probably not it. No. And I think that we do know we're just afraid of the commitment involved in taking a risk. And you're going to have to risk that that book's not the best Yeah, or else you're not really doing like all books are a risk. All courses are a risk. All actions are a risk because we're wasting finite time. Yep. That's just literally everything is a risk. Right now I'm talking to you. I could be outside and I might meet uh, Bill Gates and he might just hand me a million dollars that yeah. that's non-zero possibility. That might happen if I go outside, if I'm really lucky and that's I'm true. wasting this chance. Yep. Right here. You
0: could have been a millionaire possibly. But it's
1: just like we try to find these absurdly specific things. You know, there's not a formula for success. We all do relatively random things in our relatively random circumstances. And success is a variable. We don't know what that means to us all the time.
0: True, you do kind of have to define it. Yeah, what what does that mean? mean? I
1: used to want very different things from what I have now, but I'm Mm -hmm. really happy. And I volunteered teaching English and that was way more fun for me than like if I was traveling the world as some nomad language learner man. I was like, I'm helping people and that feels successful. But it's not as Mm -hmm. braggy on the
0: internet. I know one particular problem of mine is I am, or I have a tendency to look at somebody who I really admire and then start to believe that the definition of success is to be what they are or to have what they have. Um, It's kind of weird. So Anna and I were like redoing the personality test in the car on the way back from the airport. What personality test? The 16 personalities test. Like
1: the INFJ kind of one?
0: Yeah, I think 16 personalities it gives you the Myers-Briggs letters, but I think it uses like big five. So it's a little bit more accurate. I don't know. Okay. What we were doing though is I was like, let's let's take the test, but for each other and not ask any questions. I just want to see if you get the same thing I got and if I get the same thing that you got. Oh, do you really understand each other? So the interesting thing is Anna is, and I think an INFP, like a mediator. And when I went through the quiz from her perspective, I got that. Oh, nice. I am an ENTJ, though she insists I'm an INTJ. And she may be right. I think I'm more introverted, just I look like an extrovert. Hmm. Uh, but she went through the quiz and she got INFP. She got her own thing trying to answer for me, which was interesting. Aha. It, it was kind of funny. It so, And then she watched me go through it again myself, and she disagreed with my answers on a lot of things. So I, I feel like it's hard to be accurate in these tests. But anyway, long story short... Um, One of the questions was, do you feel envious of other people? And I put yes, and she was like, wait, you feel envious of other people? You seem like you're so happy and so uh, like satisfied with your life. And I feel like these are two, uh, you know, they're not mutually exclusive concepts here because I am satisfied with my life and I am happy, but I also look at maybe the success other people have or the athletic skills some people have, and I think I wanna be like that person I don't, I would never want to be them. I would never want to like yeah. inhabit the body of Gary Vaynerchuk or anybody I follow, but I'll look at like how many people reply to their comments or their photos on Instagram and be like, man, I want to be at that level. Or I'll look at a pro skateboarder I follow and be like, man, I wish I could do that. Or I'll look at a gymnast I follow and think the exact same thing. So I kind of have like this sort of envy, I guess. And I don't know if it's unhealthy or not. But I know what one thing is unhealthy is when I start to look at the success that they have in their life and start to believe that the definition of success itself is a life that looks like theirs. And then I'll look at somebody else the next week who has a completely different life and then believe the same thing.
1: Yeah, because you haven't dedicated your life exactly the <laughs> same way. You're yeah. now unsuccessful. Last week, you were you were great. You were winning at everything. Mm-hmm. But this week, you're not an Olympic gymnast. So yeah. now you're failing.
0: And for me, I don't think this is too unhealthy because it never it never makes me reflect poorly upon my own circumstance. I never get depressed about where I am and the gap between there and what the other person, at least I, my perception of the other person, has. So I don't think it's super unhealthy, but it may be something for other people to think about if they do tend to look on their own circumstances unfavorably in comparison. Yeah. For me, I think it's just a constant drive to improve my circumstances and I'm using external markers to do it. I think the real dangerous thing for me is I tend to use a lot of people's external markers and I try to pull myself in many directions.
1: Yeah, that would that would probably not work as well. Yeah. But but with that in mind, I think that envy could even be a good thing occasionally because it might teach you something about what you're not happy with in your own life. Mm-hmm. You might be like, "Wait, actually, what I envy is that they were able to focus so hard on, on like on their one thing, and like I miss that. I feel so stretched thin these days. Mm, that's true. Maybe yeah. maybe your envy, as long as you don't turn it into like bitter judgment, where you're right. like, "They got everything, and I hate them." Maybe it's gonna teach you something subtle beneath the surface. That's mm. like, you know, if I did if I did something more like that. I would incorporate what I'm liking about what they're doing right now, yeah. but within my own circumstances and my own actual things. I'm not an Olympic gymnast. I just like their dedication to craft. I need to rededicate myself to my craft.
0: Yeah. And my problem is I do want to be a gymnast. Yep. And a skateboarder. And an yep. And yep. YouTuber and you can't. And an you can't be everything all at once. And everything.
1: You got to do it like <laughs> serially. Maybe that would work it's, if you like spent a whole year doing each of these things. Yeah, I know. You I know, just, like a year challenge instead of a thirty day challenge. You get. You do a it's lot of very stuff. Tough for you me. just got to commit super long.
0: Yeah, but that is a good point. You could ask yourself, all right, honestly, what are the behaviors that that person likely went through? that makes up their daily, uh, you know, their daily schedule that got them there. It's probably something that I'm not doing right now.
1: Yeah. So Uh, maybe I can make a change. What is this?
0: This is the, I believe it's the Bengal spice tea. Uh, it tastes like um,
1: October and it's making me real happy right now because October October is the best.
0: We have it coming up.
1: You know, I still got quite a few Octobers left and I'm excited. That's
0: true. You have a lot of Octobers left. Yeah. October is my anniversary Ooh. of meeting Anna. And, oh, so nice. that's coming up. That's cool. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, side note, before I forget about this, since I had it, you had coincidentally quoted Derek Sivers on Twitter the other day.
0: Oh, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to bring it up too. Yeah,
1: I, and <laughs> I loved it because I was like, this is what
0: I'm always say. Every time I like <laughs> see somebody being helpless on the
1: internet, I'm just like, What? No, there's not a specific answer <laughs> to what your problem is. Mm-hmm. You're just you're just picking a specific weird reason that is I can't succeed because my morning routine needs 15 more minutes. God.
0: Yeah, like I'm pretty sure Beethoven didn't get up and do like vipassana meditation no, in the morning, but he no. still made some darn good music.
1: And uh yeah, if you, if you've got it written down, you can go ahead and read the quote, but I really liked it and I thought it represented a lot about what I feel.
0: Okay. I don't have it written down, but I remember it. So Derek Sivers of CD Baby and general internet philosophy fame once said, um, more information is not the answer. If that were the case, we would all be billionaires with six-pack abs. Yep. There's so much information out there. So I think one of the biggest causes for a lack of success in people's lives is thinking they need more information before they get started. I just need to read one more productivity blog post. Yeah. We need to read one more little game development tips of the week post before I actually start building my game. Cause what if I miss a really great coding technique for Unreal and I start coding inefficiently and it takes me fifteen years to make my game.
1: But you don't. Yeah, well you would you know? have a game in fifteen years, which you probably won't at this point John if you're gonna Zoom
0: twenty years ago without any of the modern development tools that we have today, and it's ridiculously successful. So just get started. Yeah. It's just like you're afraid
1: to commit and put in the effort. So you're blaming some weird other stuff. Yep. That is, it's it's simply not the problem. You're ready now. Mm-hmm. You are almost certainly ready now. If you've read a few productivity books, go ahead and give it a break. If you want to keep reading, read some fun fiction and work on your project. Yeah. Do something. Come back to one when you need motivation. It's a good way to restart. Yep. And sort
0: of get things going again after a slump. In fact... So here's the action item for people listening to this podcast, if that is their problem. I want you to take out a piece of paper and list out all of the resources that come to mind that you've been meaning to go through and then roll a die. And whatever oh, the die yeah. comes up to, that is the only one you're going to use. And if you do not start either going through that or working on your project today, then you can say 100% that it is your fault that you aren't Ooh. succeeding. Ooh, that's nice. Maybe And maybe once every season,
1: every two or three months, you're like, you can have one more, one more resource. Have you been having a weird question? Now I can read that book, Mm -hmm. but you don't get to read them all first. You cannot
0: front load research like that. Yeah, and once you get into your project, you're gonna run into a problem and you're gonna have to go into the Unreal Engine documentation to figure out, like, how do I make these shaders actually work right? It's casting yellow light on my orc and I want blue light. Well, that is a just-in-time learning opportunity. That's fine. The problem is people aren't doing just-in-time learning here. They're thinking, I need to front load, like you said, front load all this information in my brain so I have it ready when I actually get started. Well, newsflash, those things are still going to be there once you have started. Yeah. Except for now, your brain is in a much better position to remember and use what you learned from those resources because it now has a need for it.
1: Yeah. Well, in all actuality, two counterintuitive things are both true at the same time. One, you're ready now. Two... There's no such thing as
0: being ready. <laughs> <laughs> ready is what you believe it is. There's, it there's really exist. like, what does
1: that really even mean? Yep. You know, like <laughs> you just, since, since ready isn't really a thing, you should just do it now.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So I had a few other things listed down here, which may be potential reasons for your lack of success. Um, you don't finish things. So I think this goes back to the whole problem of starting over here, starting over there pulling yourself in many different directions. To actually be successful, you need to actually go the last 10% and make the thing good and you know able to be put out into the world. If I had 400 videos all in a state of 90% completion, I would be nowhere as a YouTuber because no one would have ever seen them. Yeah. You have to actually publish. It's like Seth Godin said in the dip, you need to pump that last 10 PSI into the bike tire to enable it to go anywhere. If it is at zero and you pump 10% into it, it's basically still at zero. It's not usable. Yeah. So finish things. Um, Put yourself on a deadline. For me, it was 500 words per day, every single day with a Habitica task. And also I believe maybe a money bet on on a Beeminder at that time. And I finished my book in two months. I don't know if I would have finished it had I just said, "Oh, I'm going to get it done sometime. Which is what I've told myself for courses. Well, also if you're picturing the whole thing, It would
1: be really Mm -hmm. easy if you were just like, actually, I'm just going to write down like the outline for this first chapter or the outline for the whole thing. You can do that. Mm -hmm. Like, how does somebody build a house? They don't build a house. They lay a brick and then they lay another brick and then they lay another brick and you keep doing small things. And eventually they're like, hey, wait a second. There's a house over there. You don't, I'm not going to build a house today. I'm going to do a bunch of small things that might lead to something better.
0: Speaking of courses, uh, I have found the the method by which I will actually finish one. Oh yeah? Yep, I just emailed Skillshare and I said, hey, I wanna make a course. Oh, that's the technique? That's, that's my technique. There it is. Now I'm just like, well, I'm gonna work with somebody external to my organization and boom, there we go. And it also, it, it, that particular thing, this is kind of a tangent, but that eases some of my mental burden on making courses because I was, I've always like flitted back between like, oh, well I should charge what I'm worth versus like, I should make it cheap. The great thing about Skillshare is like, I almost am always able to offer a free trial. So like oh, literally anyone point. could go take my course for free. And then if they like it, they could keep paying for Skillshare. And if that's they didn't perfect. like it, they could just unsubscribe. That is actually so, so But either way, good. like Skillshare pays me for ads. So we continue to make money. They'll probably do better because it's a course that we made. Yeah, that's the tough I kind of like that. That's the model. tough thing because
1: you don't you don't want to charge too much and like say you're not allowed to get my learning. Yeah. So it's like that is a good solution.
0: Mm-hmm. And then we're also putting it on a platform where there's potential for external uh, promotion beyond just what we can do. You know, if we made yeah. our own course, we would probably have to make it cost more because we have to put um you know, or every every bit of promotion that goes out for it is something that we have to create. That's cool. So, I'm going to try it that way. I don't know if it's the right way. But, but there's it no feels right way. better to me than building some a email way. funnel and trying to get people to buy like a $45, $100, whatever it is. Yeah. Well,
1: and if that's the thing that keeps you from doing the work, all you got to do is identify that that's the real thing. And mm-hmm. it looks like you've
0: identified that as the problem. So... Yep. that's Well, that was one problem. The other problem yeah. was not creating some sort of like daily effort yeah. with um with an accountability tool well, in place. Well, I've
1: seen your checklists every day. Uh, your the daily effort's a little... Yeah, I know. It's a little intense. I I
0: get a little bit over optimistic with things. Oh,
1: it's better than being over pessimistic.
0: There There are several problems that we have actively discussed the solutions to on this podcast and on my videos that I still struggle with. You know, I think that's actually a good thing for people to keep in mind. We are the ones giving out the answers to these problems, but sometimes... And for certain problems, we still struggle with them. I've got tons
1: of problems. Yep. I just don't, I don't think it would be a productive episode if I just sat here (laughs) complaining about all my problems. Do an episode. Here's all the things.
0: Actually, if we wanted to do an episode where we talk about the things that we're bad at, we should just get our girlfriends in the podcast. Oh no. We're not even in the room. And they're just gonna be like, you know what Tom did the other day? He had like 14 items on his checklist and he did like two.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Ashley's just gonna be like, here's the thing. Martin asks me the same question every single day. (laughs) And then he comes up with the answer himself. And then he asks me again.
0: <laughs> he knows. Yep. Yeah, they more than anyone else uh, intimately know our flaws. So I don't think they want to be on the podcast. Well, at least I know Ashley doesn't want to be on the podcast. I'm uh, sure may- Anna maybe, would- maybe well, for I'm sure, that opportunity. I'm sure Anna would relish the chance to get on here and complain to many thousands of people She'll just, about me. I'll just
1: have Ashley write down like <laughs> a bunch of notes and I will read them on the podcast. Not I won't there read them go. first. You know, I'll just be like... <laughs> Oh, (laughs) Uh, I guess the next one,
0: it's just, I'll just feel bad live. Yeah, Yeah, that wouldn't be good. All right. Uh, A couple other things I had written down. You have a constantly shifting definition of success. And I think this goes back to what I talked about, seeing an external factor, seeing what other people are doing and then saying, oh, that's what success looks like. And then the next week reading about somebody who's a monk and who's super happy just living on a farm and thinking, well, wait a minute, maybe that's success. Like you kind of have to get grounded on what really makes you happy. And I, I feel a little okay about this because I do not feel bad about myself. It's more just, I tend to look at many differing and diverging you know, success models and tell myself like all of those would be good to shoot for, which is clearly not going to happen. Um, but if somebody has a constantly de- a shifting definition of success in a linear fashion, that can also be a problem. So maybe your definition of success is get a thousand subscribers on YouTube or you know, get all B's this semester. And then you get it and you're like, well, actually real success would be all A's or real success would be a million subscribers. You're just constantly moving that bar forward. Now that is not inherently a problem because that is going to push you to keep improving, which you should definitely do. But if it is making you feel bad about yourself every single time that you succeed, because you're then telling yourself, oh, well, because I succeeded, that actually wasn't really valid. And real success is just over the next hilltop. That's where it's a problem. Yeah. You have to celebrate your successes. Like remember to acknowledge that this was something you didn't think was possible or you thought that was difficult and then you did it. So good job. Yeah. Keep progressing, uh, but don't feel like that's invalidated because you got there. That's like
1: one of the big reasons that I have that accomplishment log Mm -hmm. now is just because I will forget and therefore discount anything I did. Yeah. If I don't write it down. So now I'm just like, hey, have I done something cool this year? Whoa! Actually, that's a lot of things. Rather than no, I haven't done enough this week, so this year doesn't matter. I feel bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And the last one I had here was you don't put in the work.
1: Yes, effort. Real is, simple. It is one of the most controllable factors here.
0: hmm Yep. And I know we said last week you don't need to work fourteen hours a day, but there's some amount of work that's needed for you to get where you want to go. And for a lot of you guys watching or listening to this. I know that you aren't currently putting in that effort. Maybe it's because you have fragmented your time so much and you're spending a lot of it on things that don't actually matter to you. Maybe it's because every time you think I'm gonna go work on game development, you think, well, actually, I kind of wanna put in a couple of matches at Overwatch first. Well, they're researching. Oh, that's researching. They're just not ready yet yeah, until actually, they've played a, a little research. more Overwatch. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, what are you wasting your time on? Because all of us are wasting our time on something. I think- at least ninety-nine percent of us probably waste more time than we need to, including oh, yeah.
1: me. Yeah, oh, yeah, I waste I waste a lot of time, and then it's really frustrating because I try to I try to stick all the stuff I was going to do in that time, and I say no, I'm still going to do it all tonight, and then that's an unrealistic goal. Yep. So then I fail until I'm willing to set new goals that make sense. Mm-hmm. You can't divide your efforts between a bunch of things, whether they're real goals that are good yeah. for you or stupid things like researching video games by playing 10 more hours before you
0: start coding. I've come to realize that at this very point in time, it would be very good for me to finish my working day outside of the house because I'm playing through Hollow Knight right now, which is a fantastic game, I might add. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And it may end up in my top five. Ooh. Uh, But... Because of that, it'll be like 4.30, and I'll be like, you know what? The, the workday is almost over. I could go play Hollow Knight now. But if I'm at a Starbucks two miles away from my house, that temptation is pretty diminished because I would have to go through a lot of effort to quit my work just to go play Hollow Knight on an impulse. If I'm here, it's pretty easy to get up from my computer, go over to the Switch, and just start playing. But in the morning, I don't feel that temptation. In the morning, it's like, no, this is work time. You can't be playing Hollow Knight during like 10 a.m. Yeah. So I could do my work here in the morning and then just go out in the afternoon and work somewhere for the rest of the day.
1: Well, conversely, that also seems like it will be helpful for the opposite issue of where you're constantly feeling like you should work instead mm-hmm. of playing Like you also clock out and you get your last hours more effectively. That's true. That's, yeah. that's a pretty good idea. Yeah. Working at home, it comes with its problems. It does. But it is not does. the problem. That's the thing. It's just nope. one of many things that it's we can not. slowly improve and work through.
0: Yeah, and uh, somebody told me, actually, that you had a boyfriend who looked like a girlfriend. Yep. <laughs> Someone told me that the Nintendo Switch actually has a parental control feature oh, yeah. that can yeah. set how long you're able to play during the day. So I think what they told me is they put in a big, long password and wrote it down, but did not memorize it. And they said so that they could oh. only play for 15 minutes a day. Like
1: they, they write it down, they stick it in their closet somewhere. Yeah. And, a...
0: and they don't know it. So they can only play Zelda for 15 minutes a day. And that's it. They would have to go get the password and type it oh. in if they wanted to play more.
1: Well, that's a cool way of bringing that sort of like, we're used to seeing those kind of things like Crackbook and Freedom mm-hmm. that do it for apps. But for like the Switch, that's a, yeah, that's, that's cool. You're your own parent. Be yeah. your own dad. Yeah, be your own Say dad. Say no. <laughs>
0: So uh, just an illustration of the fact that you don't have to utilize my particular strategy of leaving because that is, it's not that your success is determined by the, whether or not you leave. It's yeah. just that you have to pinpoint the problem and figure out a solution to it. Could be parental controls, could be leaving. Yeah, could it, be something it, doesn't, else.
1: It's not, it doesn't need to be the best solution. It doesn't need to be a permanent solution. Is it, will it solve it this week? And next yeah. week, there's something else that it, it won't work next week. Still do it this week. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. You don't have a permanent solution.
0: Yeah. So to wrap up, put in the work. Yep. I think that's- Do do work, son. Do work, son. Yeah. And that's probably a a good point to end on, I think.
1: Yeah. That's, I mean, effort's the, the last thing I got listed. Cool.
0: All right. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Hopefully it was a kick in the butt to some of you. It's yeah, I, I know me, it's
1: actually. not filled. Maybe you came in here expecting like a very specific rule that was the <laughs> reason.
0: Oh, we gave them a specific rule though. Remember, list out the resources, roll a die, pick I'll, the one that's that comes true. up.
1: That's true.
0: And work on it. Put in work every single day. You buy that course on Udemy or wherever it is, you start going through the I don't it care today, which course it I is. I don't care what one it is. It literally doesn't matter. The music theory book I'm going through right now, there's not a single music theory student in the world who would list that as the top choice. It's a first music theory book to go through. It's literally the one I found on a shelf at a random bookstore that costs like $5 because it's basically a little novelty book. But you know what? That's actually taught me a good bit about music theory. And my guitar skills since buying that book has improved massively, especially in finger picking. I now understand intervals. I now can create chords myself. And yeah, any music student in the world would probably say, well, there's actually this very great textbook written by this very fancy composer guy. And you should have read that one because it'll tell you more about intervals, but I still made progress. No, it doesn't really matter what resource you use as long as it's a decent resource. Yeah, and maybe I'll pick that book up in the future. Maybe it's advanced techniques that my book doesn't have will be useful to me at some point. But really at the end of the day, all I needed to learn was what is an interval? What is a major scale versus a minor scale? And any one of those resources is going to teach you that. And even if it's not the most effective possible way to communicate it, it's better than not breeding any of them because you were paralyzed. Yeah. Okay. So roll your die, put in your work, and head on over to the show notes over at cigpodcast.com slash 219. If you want to find links to anything we mentioned in this episode, I think we linked or we talked about a couple of the book discussion episodes we've done. I think the learned helplessness episode would be a good follow-up to this one. Yeah. I forgot how interesting that book was. Yeah. So, which actually I've been meaning to ask you, um, in, in you talking about that book brought this thought to mind, should you and I do an episode on depression or should I find somebody else to talk about that? Because I've never experienced it, so I oh. want to talk about it on this show. But I feel that I am like I've the experienced least. It. I know you have, so I don't know. Like, is it something that we could talk about with you, or should I get like a professional person? I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, I'm down. It just depends on whether I've got all the information. Because it's one of those topics where I'm like really afraid to say what's on my mind because I'm like, afraid. I'm afraid like that I shouldn't even say anything because I've never experienced it. Even though I have theories. And I also have like well research that, learned that I've read as well.
1: book. It's got a lot about theories behind depression. It's got some okay. useful stuff. And then, yeah, that would I think be a useful. We, episode, I think we could think. do that episode. I think that'd be a good episode.
0: And it would be an episode where you could take the lead more, since you have experience with it, and you've also read that book, which I haven't read. Um, but there are, are things that I would like to talk about, because I know it's a problem that I get emailed about a lot, and I would like to sort of make a dent in the world. Yeah. Well, and we've got,
1: a, we've got a lot of places where we can expand
0: mm-hmm. topically.
1: So let us know Yeah, if you got more topics or things that seem big that we haven't thought of
0: yet. Mm-hmm. So once again, cigpodcast.com slash 219. And if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, uh, if you have an iPhone, open up the podcasts app or look for us in Apple Podcasts, College Info Geek Podcast. If you have, a rating and review is a big help to us in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whichever app you have. Uh, if you are on an Android phone, there is now a Google Podcasts app, though I'm not sure if it is available in every single country. Hmm. So you may be able to find us there. Otherwise, I like Pocket Casts. There are many different podcast apps out there, and we've got instructions on how to find and subscribe to the show on basically any device over at just cigpodcast.com. So check that out. Uh, last but not least, collegeinfogeek.com resources is where you can find all of our favorite tools, apps, backpack recommendations things you should bring to college and stock your dorm with and our list of essential books for students we should probably put learned helplessness on there that might be a good addition in the future uh but check that out there's lots of great resources there once again thank you for listening and we will see you in next week's episode stay cute